Today's show brought to you by Redcon1.com. That's right. Click the link at the bottom of the podcast app in which you are listening to this on. Check them out. Use promo code T20Quartermist. That's right. Redcon1.com. There's nothing special about being American. None of you can define for me what an American is. I am the nation. I was born on July 4th, 1776, and the Declaration of Independence is my birth certificate. The bloodlines of the world run in my veins because I offered freedom to the oppressed. I am many things and many people. I am the nation. I am 200 million living souls and the ghost of millions who have lived and died for me. I am Nathan Hale and Paul Revere. I stood at Lexington and fired the shot heard round the world. Washington, Jefferson, Patrick Henry, and John Paul Jones, the Green Mountain, David Crockett. I'm Lee. Coming to you from the DTOM studios in the free state of Florida, sponsored by Maker's Mark Bourbon. This is. Don't tread on America. And I am your host, Don Q. How's everybody doing out there today? It is Wednesday, October 26th, 2022. How's everybody doing out there today? Woo! I am so, yeah, so good song, good song. I mean, come on, man. They're from the Deton band. I don't know. Art of War, I think is who the name of the, the band is. Let me get my water ready here. All right. I'm hoping that the noise from outside will not transfer over into the microphone because, of course, today of all days, I'm recording part six of the Bush crime family. And uh, they want to, they finally decide to uh, work our neighborhood to pick up the uh, hurricane debris. So I got cranes and trucks and all sorts of shit out there. Um, I, I did some pre recording prior to recording and I couldn't really hear it picking up on the mic. So I'm hoping uh, that it doesn't. If it does, that is what it is. I'm just happy they're finally getting the crap by killing my grass, man. Come on. Fortunately, I have it in a certain part of the yard where I have some brick pavers and whatnot, so it's not too bad. At any rate, the bad thing is not to make this about lawn care, but get off my lawn, right? No. Um, That particular part of my yard, it was... A struggle to get grass to grow there and of course for the last two years I've had grass there and I got I had a pile of branches and shit there but anyway I guess could have been worse right all right so today's show is going to be about the Bush crime family again <laughs> um, here's the thing now, I told you guys on the last show I've been doing a crap ton of um, of, of research and, and looking at stuff and seeing stuff and when I focus on one specific area of this family something else will pop up right so then when that happens <clears throat> I have to write that down okay well so I'll write that down and I'll, I'll I'll research that okay so let me finish this and then I finish this and I, I start researching and then that and then while I'm researching that, something else pops up. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm telling you, <clears throat> it's never ending with this family. Now, I'm hoping to close the Bush crime family out today. And the reason I say I'm hoping is this portion here, part six, <laughs> is uh, going to be about Skull and Bones. That is a secret society that um, originated at Yale. And I should say it is in Yale. Not, not that it just originated. It's only there. 
and um, <clears throat> its origins, you know, some of the people involved, I'm not going to go through the whole list of everybody that, that was or is or has been a uh, Skull and Bones member, and because we're mainly focused on the Bush crime family, so we will talk about other people other than the Bushes that attended Yale and were part of this society, but some of their uh, friends that are involved in the family business, so to speak. Um, so, but before we do, uh, I want to make sure to remind you guys of our new sponsor, Christian Lawson Watches. Check them out at ChristianLawson.com. Use promo code DTOM at checkout to get an extra 30% off your purchase price. Check them out. Christian Lawson designs the watches in London, London, England, and they are made in Europe and uh, sold to you with 30% off. Use uh, promo code DTOM. So uh, also check our social media out at Don't Tread on America on Facebook and Instagram and the Ticker Talker. And uh, follow us on Twitter at DTOM underscore 1775. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's PCGC underscore 1775. And don't forget the website, DontTreadOnAmerica.com. A couple things, too. I want to make sure you guys are continuing to do the things you're doing. Doing these um, these series shows uh, as seems to have gotten... A lot of interest from new listeners, which is great. Um, the downloads have been tremendous this past couple of weeks, and it's all about these shows. So, obviously, the Bush crime family will have to come to an end. I can't milk my life on this series. Um, either that will be today or Friday, depends on how long we go. You know, I like to keep it within an hour. Um, so, uh, whatever app you're listening to this on, whether it be Apple, Google, Spotify, Podbeam, you know, whatever, you know what you're listening to this on, please subscribe to the show. And then also, please share this with your friends. Um, as you know, obviously, people that normally listen to the show, I'm getting away from the everyday, this is what's happening in the world today, and I'm trying to link things in history. Right now, obviously, we're picking on the Bush family. Um, there will be more families to come. And what I'm trying to do is link these people and their history of their family into what's going on today. Like I did the Kazarian Mafias, the part one and two of that, and brought that back to Ukraine, Russia today. So that's kind of my plan here is to show you how the things that happen 20, 30, 50, 100 years ago, 1,000 years ago, are still evolving um, today. So, without further ado, let's jump into it. Now, like I told you before in the show I did the other day, a lot of these articles that you find in searching, they're far and few between, number one. It's, <clears throat> it's very hard to find any of this on Google, obviously. So I have to make sure I do use my phone or my iPad. And the reason being is because I use DuckDuckGo on there. So searches are a little bit easier. You can find more of the oddball stuff using DuckDuckGo versus Google. And even then, the articles are four, five, ten years old. So when I'm going through a lot of these things, if I say our president or our uh, vice president, just know <laughs> I'm going to try and correct myself on the fly. But uh, some of this is about George H.W. and W. And obviously neither of those people are our president and haven't been for a while. So, nonetheless. All right, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. I want to start out with a quote. Deception is a state of mind. And the mind of the state. That was said by James Jesus Angleton. He is the mother of the CIA. So, one of the most infamous secret societies in the world 
is known as the American Order of Skull and Bones that was founded in 1832 at Yale University. The order is also known as Bones, and the members are called Bonesmen, who are some of the world's most powerful elites, such as me. I was a Bonesman. Shock, I know, right? No, I'm joking. Um, President George H.W. Bush, his son, Debbie, and uh, the current, what is he now? He's the climate czar, right? He's not, he, at the time this article was written, he was the Secretary of State. I think now he's the climate czar that tells you not to fly in planes and not to drive cars, uh, but you're in a private jet. That's different. I'm doing it for the greater good. John Kerry, to name a few. Um, so the secret behind the order was confirmed by George W. Bush, who wrote in his autobiography, in my senior year, I joined Skull and Bones, a secret society. So secret, I can't say anything more. He was later killed. No. Two Bonesmen, George W. Bush and John Kerry, had both been presidential candidates in the 04 elections. When Kerry was asked what it meant that he and Bush were both Bonesmen, former presidential candidate Kerry said, Not much, because it's a secret. George Bush eventually won his second term and continued his war campaign in Iraq. Now, as I go through these articles, you guys know, if you're new to the show, what I like to do is I'll read something and then I'll riff on it. And here's my riff part in the first segment of the show. This is exactly what we talk about when we say Republican, Democrats, there's no difference. There's no difference between these people. Do you honestly think if Kerry had won the Iraqi war would have stopped? No, because it had nothing to do with what we were told it was about. These are another head of the same snake. It has nothing to do with it. It's about the bigger picture. The R and the D is just a way to get the popular vote, so to speak. The order was incorporated in 1856 by General William Huntington Russell and Alfonso Taft, who became Secretary of War under President Grant in 1876. The numerical value of this year is 1 plus 8 plus 7 plus 6. That equals something. I don't have my calculator. It's 22. Do the... Uh, Numerical motto of Skull and Bones is 322, or 3 times 22, which you will see below is not a coincidence. In numerology, the number 22 is often called the Master Builder. The Hebrews possess 22 books, and their alphabet is made up of 20, and their alphabet is made up of 22 letters, which was created to compose the Word of God. And, um, I'm sorry, the Cabal uh, teaches us that the letter in the Hebrew... Where's my phone at? Oh, that sucker's going to end up ringing here sooner or later. I forgot to turn it off. Sorry. Uh, teaches us that the letters of the Hebrew alphabet are, are the building blocks of the universe. The underlying, underlying occult scientific significance of the number 22 in science would represent the bones of the skull, which there are 22. Eight form the cranium or the brain case, and 14 are associated with the face. Our brains are what we use to think, some of us anyway. Re reason uh, and come to know the divine of God. The 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet create to compose the word of God is our 22 bone skull. And the place where... We receive light to become illuminated or enlightened beings, hence to be like St. John and have our own revelation. This is why I believe Skull and Bones has chosen the number 22 as a master builder of the New World Order. The fact uh, would be validated by a Bonesman and CIA director and president, George H.W. Bush who in a video taken from national television makes no bones <laughs> about their apocalyptic plans 
for a new world order. Please keep in mind, and this is very interesting, that this speech of biblical proportions was done on 9-11-1991, and it's exactly 10 years later to the day that the U.S. suffered an attack, quote-unquote, on the World Trade Center towers, shortly thereafter his son George W. would begin the war in Iraq. Now I'm going to play this for you. I, I forgot to have it ready, so hopefully we don't have a, a commercial, so we'll see what happens here. Certain that we stand at a defining hour. Halfway around the world, we are engaged in a great struggle in the skies and on the seas and sands. We know why we're there. We are Americans, part of something larger than ourselves. For two centuries, we've done the hard work of freedom, and tonight we lead the world in facing down a threat to decency and humanity. What is at stake is more than one small country. It is a big idea, a new world order, where diverse nations are drawn together in common cause to achieve the universal aspirations of mankind, peace and security, freedom and the rule of law. Such is a world worthy of our struggle and worthy of our children's future. If it is possible, I want to continue to build a lasting basis for U.S.-Soviet cooperation for a more peaceful future for all mankind. The triumph of democratic ideas in Eastern Europe and Latin America and the continuing struggle for freedom elsewhere all around the world all confirm the wisdom of our nation's founders. Tonight, we work to achieve another victory, a victory over tyranny and savage aggression. So, <clears throat> it's very much, I remember that speech, and it's not, and it's basically because of that New World Order thing. Now, this was in 91, so I mean, I was a senior in high school. And, um, you, yeah, I remember questioning that. What does that mean, New World Order? You know? And it's it's funny how things 30, you know, one years later, how how we've become based on these words. And like I said, when then this is just me talking, when Bush was vice president and then president, I didn't know anything about him because usually throughout history um, of presidents, you have people that were either senators or maybe congressmen or governors, right? Bush was none of those. A lot, even, even your vice presidents are usually something. You know, I mean, just think in recent history. You're the last handful of presidents that you can recall. Let's just go back to... Reagan, okay, governor of California, his vice president, Bush. Who the fuck was he? Then Bush, okay. Then Clinton, governor of Arkansas. Vice president, Al Gore, was a senator from Tennessee. Right, George W. Bush, governor of Texas. Vice president, Cheney, was the secretary of defense, I believe, under H.W., um, you go to, um, Obama, Senator, his Vice President Biden, Senator. Then you go to Trump, which <laughs> was the chaos agent that no one saw coming, obviously, because it was supposed to be Jeb, ex-governor of Florida, or Hillary, wife, or I guess she was a Senator, and, uh, also Secretary of State, how she achieved those roles being an ex-first or a first lady, ex-first lady, whatever, is beyond me. I mean, those types of things, if you look at those things, and, and take Hillary for a perfect example of someone 
rising through the ranks, having no experience. <laughs> I mean, you can say what you want about Trump. At least he built an organization and was profitable. I mean, you'll have naysayers that say, oh, he went bankrupt in this and he went bankrupt in that. But he he's not a bankrupt person. He obviously excelled somewhere along the lines to have money in the bank. You you don't fail. You don't succeed if you don't fail first. You know, <laughs> what was it? I can't think of that. One does not fly into flying. You know, you, you don't walk into walking. You eventually get there. So, um, you know, now I like to theorize about the number 66 and the connection to the Skull and Bones numerical model, motto 322. In the, in the Bible, I'm sorry, in the Bible, the number 66 is a numerical value of the wheel from the Hebrew Galgal, which is very similar to the word Google, meaning a wheel, whirlwind, or simply chaos. The meaning of gal or gull is to trick or to treat. The word curse is used 66 times in the Old Testament. <clears throat> the um, This chaos of tricks may be indicative of the CIA domestic counterterrorism plan founded under Skull and Bulls member Jesus, or James Jesus Angleton, who was called the mother of the CIA. Angleton was directly responsible for domestic espionage uh, project called Operation Chaos and uh, has coined the phrase, deception is the state of mind and the mind of the state. Hence, from this point forward, the CIA would play a central role in cheating chaos both domestically and abroad. So, uh, quick, quick side note. What is Operation, or what was, I should say, Operation Chaos. So it was a CIA domestic espionage project targeting the American people from 1967 to 1974, established by London, Lyndon B. Johnson, and expanded under President Richard Nixon, whose mission was to under, uncover possible foreign influence on domestic race, anti-war, and other protest movements. Real quick, Lyndon B. Johnson, Democrat, Richard Nixon, Republican, once again. There's no friends here. So, the operation was launched under Director of CIA Richard Helms and, um, and Chief of Counterintelligence James Jesus Angleton, the head of the, and headed by Richard Ober, the MH, whatever that is, designated to signify the program had worldwide area operations. So the CIA was formed as a result of the National Security Act 1947. CIA was charged with the collection and evaluation of intelligence. I'm going to skip through this as quickly as possible. I want to get to the point. CIA developed numerous operations targeting American descendants in the U.S. Many of these programs operated on the CIA's Office of Security, including um, its Lingual Project 2. Project Miramac, Project Resistance, and Project PCGC. What is Project Resistance? So the was a domestic espionage operation coordinated under the CIA as opposed to collect background information from groups around the U.S. Uh, that the CIA thought posed threats to their facilities and personnel. Hmm. I think that's going on currently. Miramac was a domestic espionage operation coordinated by the CIA involved in so a lot of information gathering and surveillance upon U.S. citizens, essentially. So the scales of Operation President Nixon came into office in 1969. Exceeding domestic surveillance activities were consolidated to Operation Chaos. It was first used by CIA stations abroad, stations abroad to report on anti-war activities of United States citizens traveling abroad, employing methods such as psycho, uh, physical surveillance and electronic eavesdropping, Utilizing liaison services in maintaining such surveillance, the operation uh, were, were later expanded, included 60 officers, 69. Following the exp expansion, the operation began developing its own network of informants. 
for the purpose of infiltrating foreign, various foreign, foreign anti-war groups located in foreign countries that might have ties to domestic groups. So this had a lot to do with the Vietnam War. I uh, wouldn't even venture a guess without continuing to read this. Probably had a lot to do with the... You know, I'm just spitballing here, but I bet you uh, John Lennon being assassinated probably had something, some some roots in this uh, Operation Chaos, if I had to guess. Nowadays, the government leans on, you know, what we call today influencers, whether it be Facebook, Instagram, uh, TikTok. But these, like think about Kim Kardashian, for example. Who is she? What is she? What was she prior to being Kim Kardashian? What was she? The, the daughter of a lawyer that got OJ off. Other than that, who in the fuck was she? Now she's rich as shit. Because she's Kim Kardashian. And, and I'm not trying to be like, oh, I'm jealous. I could give two shits about Kim Kardashian. My point being is, the government and <clears throat> these entities utilize these people to spread their words. Because it sounds a lot better coming out of these actors and actresses and singers and rappers and athletes and whatever out of their mouths then someone like me, who am I? I'm just a crazy dude. It's got a microphone. Got a full-time job and a part-time podcast. And it's a crazy old Don. What the fuck does he know? Well, I could say the same thing about Kim Kardashian. What the fuck does she know? Just because she's a billionaire doesn't mean shit. Doesn't mean she knows more than I do. <sighs> I could shake my fat ass too and make some money. Oh. Um, <laughs> Alright, so where are we at here? The role... Um, of the CIA as chaos creators and secret scroll makers may be indicative to the Skull and Bones numerical motto of 322, or 3 times 22 equals tw uh, 66. That we may be able to witness in Isaiah 66, 16, for the fire and with his sword, the Lord will execute judgment on all people, and many will be those slain by the Lord. This judgment is given to the tribe of Judah, who hold the keys, as revealed in Isaiah 22, 22. And the key of the house of David will lie upon his shoulder, so he shall open, and none shall shut, and he shall shut, and none shall open. So, um, in the book Catch-22 by American author Joseph Heller, he portrays military rule to... Uh, typifying bureaucratic operation and reasoning. The novel is set in the World War II, and Heller intentionally included the um, anchorisms like loyalty, oath, and computers, IBM machines. Catch-22 is often called one of the greatest literary works of the 20th century. If we were to look back at his writings along the secrets of the number 322 and the CIA chosen as a type of agency whose task is given to create chaos, war, and also biblically judge the people both domestically and abroad, we can now understand why this agency is shrouded in so many secrecies and surrounded by, not, uh, by conspiracies. Conspiracies. <laughs> Hell, uh, that's their job, folks. And this is why we now use the term Catch-22 to define a tricky problem or a no-win or absurd situation. We can clearly see the truth for we are at today the spinoff agencies of the CIA, such as the NSA. The NSA claims to uh, claim to fame came from the warrantless service uh, surveillance controversy, where it became widely known to the world that the federal government is spying and also collecting intelligence and in supercomputer files on Americans and other people around the world. And that's a lot of that is due to 9/11. They use that as an excuse to do the, uh, the you know, the home spying. You know, I say home spying, not, but you know what I'm saying. The, uh, what's it called, the Patriot Act. Um, so, um, let me see, what is this? 
a type of judgment day supercomputer database uh, database beast type system. I will leave you with the lamination for Israel and exoneration to return to God. Hear ye this word which I take up concerning you for a lamination. The house of Israel is fallen and it shall rise no more. The virgin of Israel is cast down upon her land. There is none to rise, raise her up. And thus saith the Lord God, The city out of which came forth a thousand shall be left in a hundred. And out of which there came a hundred, there shall be left a ten in the house of Israel. For thus saith the Lord to the house of Israel, Seek ye may, and you shall live. But seek not Bethel, and go not Galgal. Neither shall you pass over the Bersabi, for Galgal shall go into captivity, and Bethel shall be unprofitable. Seek ye the Lord, and live, lest the house of Joseph be burnt with fire, and it shall devour, and there shall be none to quench Bethel. You that turn judgment into wormwood, and forsake justice in the land. Seek him that maketh Archytas and Orion, and that turneth darkness into morning, and that changeth day into night, that calleth the waters of the sea, and poureth them out upon the face of the earth. The Lord is his name. He that with smile bringeth destruction upon the strong, and waste upon the mighty. They have hated him, and rebuked the gate, and have adorned him that speaketh perfectly. Therefore, because you robbed the poor and took the choice to pray from him, you shall build the house with square stone and shall not dwell in them. You shall plant most delightful vineyards and not drink the wine of them, because I know your manifold crimes and your grievous sins, enemies, <laughs> the state just bribes, and taking the oppressed, the poor, and the gate. Therefore the prudent shall keep silent at the time, for it is an evil time. All right, little uh, little Bible verses there to keep the night going. I swear to God, it never it never fails when I'm in the middle of doing something. I get a phone call, and I even put my phone on Do Not Disturb. Uh, folks, I, I'm busy, okay? I'm busy. I'm trying to spread the word to the people. All right. On to more fun and games. So this is about more about the Skull and Bones and the Nazis and eugenics connection. So obviously we spoke a lot about the Bush crime family and the Nazis and their their togetherness. Their but we're going to tie all this together with Skull and Bones. Now, obviously, the Bush family didn't create Skull and Bones. That was done back in the mid, early, whatever, part of the 1800s. Um, now, we know that H.W. and W. were both members of Skull and Bones. Um, there are some people that would say that Preston Bush was also a member of Skull and Bones. Um, that's not documented. So, take that for what it's worth. Um, there's probably a lot of people that aren't documented, but, um, the Bush family, the Rockefeller Foundation, Skull and Bones, and, um, inspirations for Nazi eugenics. So, the Skull and Bones, a cult of entitled, smug, inbred, racist, misogynistic, anti-Semitic elitist and connected preppies descent into rule. So, ideally, I looked up the list of, of people, notable, I should say, people that uh, were members of the Skull and Bones. Now, this, this group ranged from presidents to fathers of presidents to senators, judges, congressmen, a uh, couple of actors. Only wasn't really... I mean, more more actors back in the day, not so much anyone current or even within the last 50 years. Um, but a lot of 
for example, George H. W. or George H. Walker, uh, which was the father-in-law to Preston Bush. Um, you know, like I told you, the Bushes, uh, one of George H. W. Bush's sons, not Jeb. I mean, George Bush. Yes, I can't. I, can, I don't remember the name offhand, but it was. My point being is, if your dad was in Skull and Bones, you can get in via a legacy type thing. Um, and it's interesting. I think the fact that George W. Bush was even in Yale, let alone Skull and Bones, goes to show the the level that H.W. held. And what I mean by that is, by all accounts, W. was not the smartest. I'm not a smart man. He wasn't the smartest man. Um, some would even say that his rise to to where he is, was, whatever, I mean, he's still alive, so, was due to him being born a Bush. If he was who he, mentally, if he was who he is, and not George Bush, if he was George Smith, he would probably be working at Walmart. And nothing against people that work at Walmart. My wife works at Walmart. I used to work at Walmart. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying he'd be a regular Joe Schmo. He's not the elitist and brightest person. Now, his dad, probably on the other hand, yes, I would say. Um, but when uh, George H.W. was elected a vice president in 1980, Texas mystery man Will Stamps Farish III took over management of all George Bush's personal wealth in a blind trust. Known as one of the richest men in Texas, Will Farish kept his business affairs under the most intense secrecy. Only the source of his immense wealth is known, not his employment. Will Farish has long been Bush's closest friend and confidant. He is also the unique private host to Britain's Queen Elizabeth II. Farish owns, um, I guess, once again, I told you these are older articles, so never mind the fact that she just passed away a couple months ago. <laughs> owns, I'm not laughing at the fact that she died, I'm just saying... Uh, owns and boards the studs which mate with the Queen's mares. That is her public rationale when she comes to America and stays at the Farish home. It is a vital link in the mind of our Anglophile president. President Bush can count on Will Farish not to portray the violent secrets surrounding the Bush family money, for Farish's own family fortune was made in the same Hitler's projects and a nightmarish partnership with H.W. Bush's father, Preston. On March 25, 1942, U.S. Assistant Attorney General Thurman Arnold announced that William Stamps Farish, grandfather of the president's money manager, had pled no contest to charges of criminal conspiracy with the Nazis. Farish was a principal manager of the worldwide cartel between Standard Oil of New Jersey and the IG Farben Concerns. The merge... Enterprises had opened the Auschwitz labor camp in June 14th of uh, 1940 to produce artificial rubber and gasoline from coal. The Hitler government supplied political opponents and Jews as the slaves, who were worked near to death, then murdered. Arnold disclosed that Standard Oil of New Jersey, later known as Exxon, of which Ferris was president and the chief, chief executive, had agreed to stop hiding the United States patents for artificial rubber, which the company had provided to the Nazis. Okay, real quick. Standard Oil. So Standard Oil of New Jersey. You had Standard Oil of Standard Oil of different states. You had Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New York, California, Texas. Standard Oil was owned, or it was owned, I don't know if it still is, but was owned by the Rockefellers. John D. Rockefeller uh, started Standard Oil in Pennsylvania. So, the interesting thing is, the government, uh, I want to say Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt, broke up a lot of these companies um, because of the monopolies. So, Standard Oil 
and and the funny thing is is when uh, Roosevelt was president, you're talking early 1900s, right? When he broke up Standard Oil. My grandfather was a chemist for Standard Oil in uh, Chicago, in, in Illinois. And uh, he, <laughs> I recall him working for Standard Oil. I actually have a, a toy truck <laughs> from when I was a kid that said Standard Oil. Now, you guys recall the gas station called Amico, right? So back then, when the, the government broke up Standard Oil, I'm sure it must have given them a certain amount of time to break the company up into entities. So basically the way it works is this. Gas stations that you see with red, white, and blue in their logos were a division of Standard Oil. So Exxon, Mobil, Chevron were all entities of Standard Oil, Pennzoil, Quaker State, the oil companies. So a lot of people don't realize this. Penn's Oil, Pennzoil, the, the oil that you put in your car. Penn's Oil from Pennsylvania, Quaker State. Pennsylvania, Exxon, New Jersey, Mobile, Pennsylvania, Chevron, California. So <laughs> we you hear the term Sunoco, the gas station, Sunoco, right? That's what we call it, Sunoco, right? Sun Oil Company, Texaco, Texas, Texas Oil Company. Um... And then you had like Shell. Shell was an overseas. Now, granted, in the, I don't know when it was, mid-90s, late-90s, um, Amoco was bought out by, or Amoco was another gas station, an American oil company, um, was bought out by uh, BP, British Petroleum, from England, obviously. Uh, so <laughs> my point being is... Uh, Teddy Roosevelt broke up a lot of these monopolies. So like Bell, for example, Telephone. My grandmother worked for Bell up in Chicago. And I recall when all these things happened, the the stock, the way the stock worked. So you had stock in Grant and Bell, right? Then it was Northern Bell, Southern Bell, Eastern Bell, Western Bell, GTE, Verizon, you know, all these divisions essentially. Anyway, it's interesting how things work. Now, the granted, this was 50, 60 years ago when a lot of this stuff happened. Anyway, back to the story. I'm sorry. Uh, a Senate investigation committee under Senator later and then later uh, President Harry Truman of Missouri uh, called Arnold to testify at hearings on U.S. corporations collaborating with the Nazis. The senators expressed outrage at the cynical way Ferris was continuing an alliance with Hitler regime um, that had begun back in 1933 when Ferris became chief of Jersey Standard. Didn't he know that there was a war going on? Hmm. Surely he did, right? The Justice Department laid before the committee a letter written to Standard President Ferris by his vice president shortly after the beginning of World War II in Europe. The letter concerned a renewal with their earlier agreement with the Nazis. I'll read the letter here. Dear Mr. Farish, I stayed in France until, until September 17th in England. I met up with the uh, appointment, the Royal Dutch or Shell Company, gentlemen from Holland, and the general agreement was reached on the necessary changes in our relationship with the IG Fabian in view of the state of war. The Royal Dutch Shell Group is essentially British, I also had several meetings with the British Air Ministry. I required to help to, or I'm sorry, I required help to obtain the necessary permission to go to Holland. After discussions with the American ambassador, Joseph Kennedy, the situation was cleared completely, and the gentlemen in the Air Ministry were kindly, were very kindly offered to assist me in re-entering England. So Joseph Kennedy, sound familiar? Pursuant to these arrangements, I was able to keep my appointment in Holland to assignments of some 2,000 foreign patents, and we did our best work to complete the plans of the Modus Venus, which would operate. Da, 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 da. 
Here are some cold oddities between the tragedy of World War II, which helped to explain the Bush-Ferris family alliance and their particular closeness to the Queen of England. Shell Oil is principally owned by British royal family. Shell's chairman, Sir Henry Detterding, helped, his, helped to sponsor Hitler's rise to power by arrangement with the world's family's Bank of England governor, Montagu Norman, their ally, Standard Oil, would take part in the Hitler project right up to the bloody, gruesome end. So, it's interesting how you have Shell Oil ran by the British royal family. You have Standard Oil, an American company, doing business with the Nazis as the Nazis at the time were trying to take over Europe, which included England. Now, back in these days, the Queen of England actually had power. You know, nowadays, the Queen, the King, the, the royal family, it's more of a, a bloodline thing. They don't really yield any power. They, it's the House of Commoners. It's your, your Prime Minister. It's those people that run the show. So it's just interesting. Now, I don't know how much power the British family had back in the 30s compared to today. Or even then, if it was more of a facade of power, you know, compared to like the 1700s, for example. You know what I'm saying? So, when Grandfather Ferris signed the Justice Department consent decree in March of 1942, the government had already started picking its way through the tangled web of world monopoly oil and agreements between Standard Oil and the Nazis. Many patents and other Nazi-owned aspects of the partnership had been seized by the U.S. alien property custodian. Uncle Sam would not seize Prescott Bush's Union Banking Corporation for another seven months. The racist eugenics, to be discussed later, we'll get to that, probably not going to be today, so just keep that in mind. We're going to talk about that on Friday. Connected with Skull and Bones and the Bush family, continue to this day through the Russell Sage Foundation. Um, and Russell Sage Books, subsidiary of Russell Trust and Associated, an official incorporated name by the Skull and Bones, um, as they are a big on conferences and books featuring bioeconomics, experimental economics, population control, outright eugenics, and other related topics, trying to uh, prove the so-called model of Homo oikonomicus. <laughs> a bi biological basis of race, intellect, and behavior. George H.W. Bush was instrumental in getting the U.S. Congress to listen to a special speech by William Shockley, the psych uh, psychist, <laughs> the physicist, <laughs> turned racist, eugenics. All right. The Bush-Ferris axis had begun back in 1929. In that year, Harriman Bank bought Dresser Industries, supplier of oil pipeline couplers, to Standard and other companies. Prescott Bush became director and financial czar of Dresser, installing his Yale classmates Neil Mallon as chairman. George Bush would later name one of his sons after the Dresser executive. William S. Farish was the main organizer of the Humble Oil Company of Texas which Farish merged into the Standard Oil Company in New Jersey. Farish built up the humble Standard Empire of pipelines and refineries in Texas. The stock market crashed just after Bush family got into the oil business. The world financial crisis led to the merger of Walker Harriman Bank, the Brown Brothers, in 1931. Former Brown partner Montagu Norman and his protege, Hajlmar Shackett, paid frantic visits to New York that year and the next, preparing for the new Hitler regime for Germany. So real quick, if those names sound familiar, we did the show. We talked about the Walker, Harriman, the Brown brothers. Um, this is Prescott Bush we're, we're referring to. Prescott Bush married the daughter of Walker, George H. Walker. Um, and that's how your, your power couples, so to speak, come to be. The most important political event in those preparations for Hitler was the infamous Third International Conference on Eugenics. 
held in <clears throat> excuse me held in New York's American Museum of Natural History August 21 of 1932 supervised by the International Federation of Eugenic Societies this meeting took up the uh, stubborn persistence of African Americans and other allegedly quote unquote inferior and socially inadequate groups in reproducing expanding their numbers and almogating with others it is recommended that these quote unquote dangers to the better ethnic groups and the and to the well-born could be dealt with by sterilization or cutting off the bad stock of the unfit. So, in 1932, now this is prior to World War II starting, you had a conference in America about population control of African Americans and other inferior and social inadequate groups. So, basically, non-whites. Anyone that wasn't white was inferior, socially inadequate, or African-American. So, I mean, take your pick. And I would even venture a guess to say that it probably didn't include Jewish people or people of Jewish descent unlike the eugenics project that took place in Germany because um, a lot of these people were Jewish or of Jewish descent um, and if you don't know what eugenics is please look it up and, and get on Twitter and let me know because I don't know no. essentially that's the culling of, of people it's the like it says um, sterilization or cutting off the bad stock of the unfit. Now, what is what did would they determine unfit? Someone that's just not them. Someone that's not like them. So, you know, <laughs> you can only imagine, and and I really don't want to keep going on to this because it really starts to get pretty good right here, and I could probably just ramble on. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stop here. I just want to I'm gonna talk about this real quick. So eugenics is, you got to think, and, and I'm sure we're going to get into this on Friday, but so Planned Parenthood, for example, is a method of eugenic, a method of eugenics. Preston Bush, or I'm sorry, Prescott Bush was one of the people involved in the creation of Planned Parenthood. So we give it a fancy name like Planned Parenthood. Um... What's what's the other thing they have um, that's they talk about a lot now? But it, essentially, it's about abortion. They put these Planned Parenthood uh, centers, these clinics, whatever you want to call them, for the most part, in in uh, you know the black neighborhoods. The the uh, what, what's the words they used here? The uh, let me scroll down here. Um, <laughs> The uh, inferior and socially inadequate neighborhoods. And why do they do that? And why would you call it Planned Parenthood? So, to me, on the surface, if I see a sign that says Planned Parenthood, I would think, okay, we're planning on being a parent. So, I get my wife or my girlfriend or whatever the case may be. We get pregnant and we're planning on having the baby. We go to the Planned Parenthood. So... Ideally, what they would do is if a black girl, let's just say, went into Planned Parenthood and was asking for help. I'm pregnant and I don't know what to do. Well, we know what you can do. You can kill the baby. I mean, that's really just going to drag you down. It's really just going to do this. You look at, even to this day, a lot of people would say that Bill Gates subscribes to this method of eugenics. Maybe not through the Planned Parenthood aspect of things but through vaccines. Whenever whenever this computer nerd that created Microsoft and built a computer in his dad's garage, for whatever reason now, he's the end-all, be-all of vaccines, right? When the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, they want to test vaccines and they want to they help, quote-unquote, I should be saying, quote-unquote, help 
other countries with vaccines. Where do they go with their vaccines? They go to Africa. And they don't go to the good part of Africa. You know, they go to the meat. They go to these, these areas of Africa that are overpopulated. Why? And that was a lot of the big fuss over this COVID vaccine. It still is. I shouldn't say was. It still is. A lot of people, especially when you see Bill Gates involved in this, you got to wonder, what, is this, what does this vaccine have to do with? And not to get into a whole COVID talk, because I know we're all COVIDed out. But if you recall, if you've been listening to the show, we've been doing this for, what, a year, year and what, eight months? Something like that. And when Chris was still on the show on a regular basis, we had conversations about the vaccine and what it might do. And this was even prior to the vaccine even being readily available. Because we had read about stories and we had heard about things of what it may or may not be doing to your body. Is it evil? Is it the mark of the beast? Is it something else? Is it eugenics formula for, uh, formation? You know, formula. <sighs> Oh, you're crazy. You're a conspiracy theorist. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll wear that badge. But look at it now. You see people dying from this vaccine, whether they're seizing up, they're having heart attacks, they're having uh, blood clots, they're, uh, there's birth defects, there's birth failures. You know, it's um, you can't help but wonder. I mean, fortunately for me, I'm one of the the, however many, whatever the percentage is, 20, 30% of, of America that said, I'm not taking the vaccine. And not that I wasn't pressured. I mean, I was able to get the vaccine when it first hit because of my medical condition. And I told my doctor I wasn't doing it. And they respected that. I didn't get like pressured into it or get any, you know, it was more of a situation of, oh, you really should do it. You know, if you have any questions, you can ask. Okay. The questions I have, I kind of know the answers to, and I don't need to ask somebody who's pushing something. Anybody that's gone to any type of a doctor, okay, dentist, eye doctor, whatever, whatever medical condition you go to a doctor for, what do you tend to get? You go to the eye doctor, you get, if you, like I wear contacts. I go to the eye doctor, I get a free pair of contacts. Try these out, see how they work. They give you some free solution, whatever brand, you know. See how this works out. It's just a little sample bottle. So you think, oh, that's pretty nice. And then when you go to a store, you buy that brand. You go to the dentist. You get a toothbrush and some toothpaste. And it might be whatever whatever brand toothpaste, whatever brand toothbrush. Guarantee you that dentist is getting a kickback from Oral-B or Crest or whoever. Guarantee that eye doctor is getting a kickback from Bausch & Loam or whoever. Guarantee that... Whatever doctor is getting a kickback from Pfizer or Moderna or whoever to push not even just the vaccines, but whatever other medicines these companies make. Because they can say, oh, I, I uh, prescribe my customer, you know, whatever. I did X amount of prescriptions this year. They're going to get a kickback on the backside. It's all business. And I think that's probably the biggest problem. And I don't, and I'm going to say this, I'm going to kind of talk out of both sides of my mouth with this, but. I don't personally have a problem with free enterprise, and I think doctors should get paid a lot because of the, the, the work they have to put in to get to be a doctor. Um, but I will also say that's probably the biggest problem in this country with healthcare is it's about money for the most part and not taking care of the patients. I pay a lot of money, or I shouldn't say I pay. My, my insurance pays a lot of money. I see the bills. Right, insurance covers a lot of money. These these hospitals, these these doctors are getting paid, and they're getting paid from us, our insurance companies, and these other entities. But um, the point being is, I mean, ultimately, you got to make your own choice. If you want to get the vaccine, your choice. If you want to do whatever, it's your choice. But you can't help but wonder knowing the things that I know, seeing the things that I've seen, that there's not some sort of alternative situation going on here. And it scares me to think that all of this is something that could have been created a hundred years ago in the basement of a college by a bunch of preppy white kids that hated black people. And essentially that's what it boils down to. 
But what we're going to do is we're going to get into the meat of things and how these conferences in America coincided with the stuff that was going on in Germany, Italy, and even Japan in the late 30s into the 40s on the next D-Time show. So guys, I need you to please uh, subscribe, share this with your friends, and uh, share this. I mean, it's that's the biggest thing. If you guys subscribe to the show, great, awesome. Share it. Um, I don't think we're getting too political. We're not like Biden's bad. We're not saying Trump's great. I'm trying to, to ration in between because um, it ultimately has nothing to do with either of these people, and it really has nothing to do with Republicans or Democrats because I think as I've proven over the past five shows that <laughs> that letter means shit anymore, right? All right, guys. With that being said, today is... October 26th, uh, 2022. Uh, you guys have a fantabulous Wednesday. And, um, you know, have fun. Drink some whiskey. And, uh, you know, join us on Friday. Other than that, you guys have a great day, and I'll talk to you again later.